Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. Believe it or not, Canada's West Coast has the highest gas prices in all of North America. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. Cover your ears and open your wallet. Welcome to the latest round of Pain at the Pump. $1.51 a litre, now the going rate at many Vancouver area stations. When it rains, it pours. Gas prices are going up again around Metro Vancouver, and we could set a new record. We're seeing prices here at about $1.63.9 a litre, so drivers are certainly feeling the pain at the pumps this morning. Well, you might have noticed we have new all-time high gas prices right here in Metro Vancouver. Rates this morning are surpassing last week's milestone of 167 in Coquitlam. We keep hitting new highs. At the moment, most pumps in Vancouver are sitting at nearly $1.73 a litre. And experts say the $1.76 by midweek. Gas at one station is going for nearly $1.79 a litre this evening. These gas prices are just absolutely terrible. How are these gas prices affecting you? It is what it is. It's the price we pay to live in Canada. How do you feel about the price of gas now? Oh, very bad. Very bad. I don't know. I am disappointed with the new taxes that have come into effect. I think it's terrible. I can't believe we pay these prices. I'm paying 190. That's what it is for ni- for 91 octane. It says 172.9, which is terrible, but I'm actually paying 190. So, who's to blame for these record high gas prices? If you ask Alberta's new premier Jason Kenney, he would say that if BC would accommodate the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, gas prices would come down on the coast. Continue to resist, and prices will only climb higher. The NDP mayor of Vancouver said that he wants a carbon-free Vancouver by 2040. Well, if the BC New Democrats block our energy, we'll happily give Vancouver a carbon-free Vancouver by 2020. If they continue to obstruct our energy and violate the economic union of the Constitution in doing so, that we will be prepared to use the the turn-off-the-taps legislation. BC's Premier John Horgan, well, he says it's the federal government who should be protecting consumers against greedy oil producers. The margins here are, are greater than they are in any other jurisdiction, uh, and that's, that's fact. Uh, the, ministry, the, the federal government has uh, uh, a consumer protection agency that should be looking at that. I will raise it with the prime minister the next time I have the opportunity. But these are self, self-evident. They should be taking action. Going into an election campaign in the fall, they should have more concern about the traveling public in British Columbia than they're showing at this point in time. Now other provinces have taken it upon themselves to regulate gas prices. 
But then, of course, there's the impact of geopolitics, the carbon tax, provincial taxes, and like a never-ending list of other factors. So to cut through some of this confusion and get to the bottom of exactly what is causing high gas prices and what can be done about it, let's talk to Dan McTagg. He's a former politician, and he now runs the website GasBuddy.com. Bit of a spoiler alert, he says it all boils down to that Trans Mountain pipeline. It is perhaps the most critical issue because you can't build a refinery, certainly given the federal and provincial legislation, which is very contrary to anything to do with fossil fuels. The reality is that uh, this approved pipeline, which likely would have been very close to being completed at this point, including a 50,000 barrel a day additional ability to send down light fuels, light oil, not heavy oil, on the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline, uh, would have certainly allowed more Edmonton-based refined product into the Pacific Northwest. And that would have tempered prices and served as a major check to the now 20 cent a litre premium that you pay here in the Lower Mainland because you have to attract gasoline either from from Asia or from uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, they're willing to sell it to us, but at a su- substantial premium. What's critical, however, is to understand the economics. It's 107 pennies to buy one liter on the spot market. That is the rack price here in uh, Vancouver. It's only uh, 84 cents in Edmonton. So, you know, right from the get-go, Edmonton has the ability to bulk up its refineries and send more gasoline down or whatever we need both realistically and potentially. And that should have and would have otherwise served as a a major damper on the the premium that you currently pay. But as long as you have politicians in your province blocking a critical piece of infrastructure, well, people are going to continue to pay what is, you know, obscenely high prices, not just records for Vancouver, but records for any North American city ever. That should wake up uh, some of the officials in Victoria, but apparently they're too busy uh, engaged in the pointing finger game. Now, BC Premier John Horgan, he's really dug his heels in on the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline project. If we are not considering the environment in this situation and the controversy, obviously, that surrounds that, it sounds like you're saying that this project financially speaking, would benefit Albertans and British Columbians? Well, benefit everybody. It would, every, it would benefit Canadians as well. I mean, strip aside the oil for a moment, which would probably increase the value of the Canadian dollar and, uh, you know, do something to, to narrow the spread between the U.S. currency and the Canadian currency. That in of itself would save everybody. Well, if you put it, brought it back to the point where it was at or near uh, parity, You'd be talking about a 19 cent, 18 cent drop in the price of gasoline and every other single commodity that we consume in Canada would uh, would increase in value. In other words, your purchasing power would increase by about 20 to 25 percent. I don't get it. I mean, people are completely oblivious to how, you know, how significant a pipeline like this is, not just in terms of gasoline, but also in terms of getting our number one commodity to markets. Uh, And I well, I understand all the ideas that are out there. It is very much in the national interest for the federal government to uh, get off its collective duff and begin standing up for its regulatory authority and set aside and push aside anybody who wants to come up and use a dilatory move to prevent it or to block it. At the end of the day, it's not just about what the province does and what the federal government doesn't do. It's also about the fact that here in British Columbia and more importantly, here in Vancouver, you're also hostage to the highest fuel taxes anywhere in North America. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in politics and I've gone after the oil industry and like anyone in, uh, to my knowledge uh, has done or since done since I've left politics. 
Uh, but to me, it sounds uh, as if, uh, you know, the idea is that we can continue to tax this product uh, into oblivion and we can continue to close our eyes to what the reality is. And that's that you are doing fundamental, irreparable harm to the local economy by hurting consumers. It, they're not going to have the option of simply walking away from their vehicles. Uh, they are instead going to uh, forego purchases in other critical areas of the economy. I can't see how this is any way, any shape or form beneficial, even for those out there who believe that there's a climate angle to this. At the end of the day, those people are desperately driving down to the United States. And of course, the carbon footprint that they like to record can't be recorded in that kind of circumstance. But Premier Horgan refuses to accept all of that. I mean, we've heard that he threw this hot potato of an issue at the federal government and said it's up to them to get a handle on the rising cost of gas. Ask the premier if he understands how this market really works. What's he going to do? Blame California refineries for the fact that they want gasoline. They're prepared to pay a lot more for it. Look, if Mr. Horgan can understand that he's painted his province into a corner and he's harming consumers, at the end of the day, maybe he could answer the simple question. Why do you keep taxing people? You did it this year, you're going to do it again in July, and you did it last year. However small, he's only contributing to the problem himself directly. He has no one to blame but himself. And if people are happy with paying these kind of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> unbelievable prices for fuel, which drives our economy. And I'm not just talking here about gasoline, diesel, which runs our trucks, diesel, which runs our ships, diesel, which runs our trains, uh, aviation fuel, which runs our airport. If he can't understand these very simple principal concepts, that scarcity in our region, the inability to bring in product without forcing prices up to uh, intolerable levels, isn't doing damage to consumers and to ordinary people within the province, then perhaps he should consider another job. Let's talk about what is sort of a swear word when you're talking about gas prices, the carbon tax. What it does in terms of investments, I don't know. It's been proven to one not reduce emissions in your province. And number two, it's not revenue neutral. So the government's using it basically as a float to buy whatever or purchase whatever or invest wherever. That's a decision and a priority that governments make and it's based on what people allow them to do. So uh, I think there's a better way of achieving uh, emissions reductions, going after polluters or more importantly, regulating those polluters as they do say in the automotive industry in the United States where corporate average fuel efficiency standard rules, CAFE rules, are really how we've seen a lot of vehicles go from heavy burdened eight cylinder vehicles all the way down to four that produce as much power and perhaps as much as, efi- as much efficiency. So there's a way of doing this without burdening people. Uh, I think we're all on board to understanding and finding ways to do this, but I think you move towards the idea of smart regulations rather than causing every consumer to smart in their pocketbooks. Dan, as we get closer to this upcoming election, as we diligently watch what Trudeau's actions will be coming up to that election, what should we be watching for as far as how he needs to be addressing this this crisis in Canada, the price of fuel and this resistance towards the expansion of pipeline projects? Well, I think he's put all his eggs in one basket. Now he's got to make sure that basket is uh, is bulletproof, and it's not. Uh, he continues to kick this thing down the road for the negotiations, you know, a, a federal court uh, decision. I think he has to use his declaratory powers. Uh, he has to fish or cut bait. Either he is the prime minister and his regulatory bodies have authority to pass these things and to push them through, especially when you have a $4.5 billion commitment you've just put Canadians on the hook for. You know, there isn't really a lot of time to fool around here. And if he can't show that kind of leadership, I think Canadians will be looking for someone else who can. 
coming up later in this episode. Not everyone agrees that the solution to these record high gas prices is to build a pipeline. A supply problem. You know, every consumer that's going to fill up their tank is getting their tank filled up. There's no one's being turned away. No one's. So if a pipeline isn't the solution, then what is? You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. Download and subscribe online now. Hello. Hi, Mark. It's Nikki calling from the This Is Why podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Let me just reposition myself a little bit here. Wonderful. I can see you perfectly, but you probably can't see me at all, can you? Um, no. No. Should I? (laughs) Okay, so to hear what other analysts are saying about why gas prices are so high in BC, I spoke to Mark Lee on Skype. Mark is a senior economist with the left-leaning think tank Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And unlike Dan from GasBuddy.com, he does not think that the lack of pipeline expansion is to blame for these insane West Coast gas prices. If we look at the Metro Vancouver market for gasoline and diesel, there's no supply problem. You know, every consumer that's going to fill up their tank is getting their tank filled up. There's No one's being turned away. No one's saying you can only fill up half of a tank. So there's enough supply to go around. The problem is that I think we have an industry that is uh, recognizing that it can increase prices and increase profits to its shareholders uh, as a result. Uh, And that's really the big driver of prices. So there's up and down fluctuations that happen in in gas prices. And generally, you break them down into four components. So there's the price of crude oil. That's basically determined on world markets. So if that goes up, it goes up in Calgary just as much as it goes up in Vancouver. There's a margin that's taken by the refiners. Then the other two components are the retail outlets, so the gas stations where you fill up. But those tend to be integrated with the refiners and the broader industry themselves. So there's not much leeway that you can have there. And then a final piece is taxes. And I think a lot of attention has been put on taxes. And sure enough, I mean, taxes are you know, about 53 cents out of the price of of gasoline. And, you know, they're important. They actually pay for the roads and bridges and all that stuff that that we we care about. Hold on. Okay, let's pause there for just one sec. I want to summarize what Mark just said. He said there's four main factors that affect gas prices. One, the price of crude. Two, the margin taken by the refineries. Three, the cuts taken by the retail outlets. And four, taxes. But you're going to hear Mark say now that one of those factors affects West Coast gas prices more than the others. But if you're looking at the real story in terms of like what's happening, if you go back, say, three years when gas prices were a lot lower, about you know 55 cents lower than they are 
now, and, and you look at so the prices today, out of that 55 cents, only six cents of the increase is due to increases in taxes. 49 cents of that increase is due to market factors. So a bit more than half of that is from the increased price of crude oil because it has gone up uh, somewhat. And then the other piece are like increased margins being taken uh, predominantly by the refining uh, industry and a little bit on the retail side of things. So I think that's where we really need to be focusing uh, our attention. And I think ultimately we need to be thinking about regulating the price of gasoline in BC like they do in several other provinces. Basically, from Quebec east, uh, they all regulate gas prices. So they can do this in PEI and they can do this in Nova Scotia. Uh, then we should do it in BC because we're basically getting taken to the cleaners by basically about a billion dollars in excess profits from the industry that's leaving Metro Vancouver and going to companies based in Alberta. So it's kind of funny when you hear Premier-elect Jason Kenney's comments that he wants to, you know, make BC hurt with high gas prices, um, but they're already doing it. Again, the industry is already uh, reaping these huge excess profits profits. And I think they would probably not want Premier Kenny to cut off the taps because they are making such high profits. We will make it clear to our partners in the Federation, such as the BC government, that if they continue to obstruct our energy and violate the Economic Union of Canada guaranteed in the Constitution, we will use the turn off the taps legislation. And I would make it clear to Premier John Horgan, the new Democrat leader of, in British Columbia, that we mean business and that we are prepared uh, to, to use this legislation as well as other economic sanctions because if BC is going to continue its trade war in Alberta, we'll finish it. Premier Horgan was in opposition. He looked at this extensively and did recommend a regulation of gas prices. So, you know, when you look at energy, we regulate electricity prices, we regulate natural gas prices. So there's no reason why we shouldn't regulate gas prices, given the extremes of what we're seeing. And we also know that in other provinces that they are doing exactly this. So, like I said, if PEI can do it, if Nova Scotia can do it, then BC can do it uh, as well. So that's one part of provincial jurisdiction as it relates to gas prices. We could regulate these through the BC Utilities Commission. I think the, the other part is there is a federal aspect to this, and that has to do with what's called competition policy. So the, the Competition Bureau federally uh, tries to look and make sure that markets are competitive. So if we actually had a properly competitive market uh, in Vancouver, then you wouldn't need regulation because market forces would generally you know, keep prices uh, in line. And that's the, the argument anyways. So I think part of what's happening in Vancouver is that there's simply a lack of competition to be able to deliver an efficient market outcome. There's not enough players in the market to actually have an impact on, on and, and lower prices. Uh, so, you know, that's a bit of a longer game. We've seen historically in Canada, there have been charges laid for price fixing by the industry. It's not out of the question that this is happening in British Columbia, but it would require a more thorough investigation. So I think ideally we would have we would have both. I think the, the threat of regulating prices would make companies get in line pretty quickly. And, you know, again, just recognizing that there are huge excess profits being made by the industry. So the Calgary's Parkland Fuel Corporation 
bought the Burnaby refinery from Chevron and completed that deal two years ago in, in 2017. And then their first full year of operation, uh, that refinery alone increased their profit margin by $400 million. So that's, you know, a, a pretty substantial take. And, you know, we really should be following the money and, and thinking about who's benefiting from this. And it's certainly not British Columbia's drivers. Let's talk about one big tax that's often on the tip of many people's tongues, and that is the carbon tax. It gets such a bad name. And some people say that a carbon tax doesn't really have a measurable effect on reducing pollutants. Is that true? Is that not true? Well, I mean, the basic laws of economics are that as price goes up, people will consume less of it. And then the responsiveness to that price impact is important. So for something like gasoline or diesel, economists call this its price inelastic. The price can go up a lot and the amount consumed doesn't change a whole lot because, you know, people need to drive to get to work. Over the longer term, they can buy a more, you know, fuel efficient vehicle or they might be able to shift their patterns to go more by, you know, public transit and that kind of thing. But in the short term, there's very little impact of that. But I think, you know, when you look over long stretches of time, higher prices do tend to lead to a reduced consumption. So carbon prices Taxes are certainly part of that. Uh, Fuel taxes are actually higher than carbon taxes in British Columbia, and no one seems to talk about them. But I think part of the shift in consumer behavior will be driven by higher profits being taken by the companies as well. And so just to come back to your first point around, you know, will the pipeline uh, expansion help this situation? Mm-hmm. It's not entirely clear. I mean, I've looked through the National Energy Board documents submitted by back when it was Kinder Morgan, now owned by the government of Canada. And it's all based around exports. Um, that's the whole raison d'etre of the pipeline uh, expansion. Right now, we have enough fuel that's coming from Edmonton and being produced locally here to service the local market. That hasn't fundamentally changed. You know, if you go back, uh, you know, 10 or, or more years, the total amount of like gasoline and diesel we consume hasn't changed very much at all. So, you know, we didn't hear about these problems 10 years ago. And now we're hearing of that. There's all these supply disruptions and other things. I think really it's just the industry making up excuses in order to increase their profits at the expense of drivers. Now, here's an interesting side note for you. With gas prices continuing to climb in British Columbia to these unprecedented crazy levels, there's been more reports of gas thefts. Yet two people in less than a week said that someone had drilled a hole in the bottom of their gas tanks in order to drain out the fuel. That's just another strange side effect of the rising cost in fuel. But since experts can't even agree on how to solve the gas price gouge, finding a solution and making all this madness stop still seems very out of reach. This Is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast, so you can download and subscribe for free, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You'll be able to re-listen to this episode when you download the podcast, and you can listen to past episodes as well. Give us a rating and a review online and tell your friends about the show as well. We're on Twitter at This Is Why, and you can always send us an email, thisiswhy at curiouscast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.